2: racial violence has existed. The way we have designed our society has a big hand in what occurred in that TOPS market. In the
3: suburban area everywhere, we
4: must work and teach our children. We need to make sure that we put more funding in our programs that help prevent gun violence and more money into art. If we're gonna have some real healing.
2: We've gotta have space to tell some uncomfortable truth.
4: And thanks for joining us on another edition of Buffalo. What's next? I'm Angelie Preston, and later in the show we'll have Thomas O'Neill White. He'll sit with Kendra Brim to talk about diversity. She's from. She is uh, the representative, the director of the diversity and inclusion unit at Tesla. But first, we have some very special guests from the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Chapter here in Buffalo, the Gamma Phi Omega Chapter, President Adelie Woodruff, Vice President Denise V. Cobbs, and Social Justice Chair Pamela Stevens-Jackson. Hello, ladies. Good Good morning. morning. How are you?
1: Doing well.
4: We are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to have you. Let's, first of all, pink and green. I see you all got your gear on. Yes. Let's, let's talk about, uh, before we, I have my pink and green on too, even yes, though I'm not a soror. Yes. <laughs> but I wanted to represent for y'all ladies because y'all were coming you. on. Yes, yes. Let's talk about the sisterhood of the AKAs. What, how important is it?
5: Well, um, let's say that we are a group of college-educated women um, with a, um, uh, we have the same mission in mind, and that is service to all mankind, right? So that's our motto. Um, We uh, start at uh, the undergraduate level, and we move on to the graduate level. And we continue with our service um, in the community, addressing the needs in the community within uh, where we live. Um, and so um, that like-mindedness keeps us connected. Um, and the interesting connection is that we also um, sort of mirror the other fraternities and sororities in terms of service being our mission.
4: Okay. The Divine Nine. Yes. So the AKAs started at Howard University, which is uh HBCU in nineteen oh eight. But tell us about your chapter.
5: So our chapter started in uh nineteen forty four, June twenty-fifth, nineteen forty-four. We were chartered uh here in Buffalo Um, at the Michigan Street Y, Um, and every opportunity we get, we want to edify our uh, founding members, and they were Natalie Hilda Evans. She attended Morgan State. Lois Hill White was from the University of Kansas. Marie Ming Hardy was from Michigan State. Edna Turner C. was from West Virginia State. Maud Cummings was from Montgomery, um, Maud Cummings, Montgomery, rather, was from Fisk University. Francis Knight Hall was from Talladega, and Verna Horn-Johnson was from Talladega. So the interesting connection there is that they attended HBCUs, which is probably where they were initiated. And when they came to Buffalo, most of them were educators, um, came, bought themselves back together again to form our chapter, Gamma Phi Omega chapter. Uh, in 1944 so
4: tell us because the AKAs and a lot in the black sororities started um, on HBCUs but it's it's expanded um Buffalo oh, yes. State my alma mater Denise yes your <laughs> alma mater right yes, it is. <laughs> yes, they have all these organized these colleges that are not HBCUs also have their chapters so how yeah. how important is it for for or for Organizations like the sororities and fraternities to to be to be national to just not be mm. on mm. HBCUs or at HBCUs.
5: That's that's a good question. Um, I think the the ability to find some commonality, some some way that you're represented on a predominantly white campus, um, the organizations give you the opportunity to connect um, and be. Uh, um, and be a a, a stepping stone for each other, right? Um, So that you can grow um, and encourage and support um, in your mission for becoming college educated because we know that that's not an easy process. Um, It's not for the weak at heart. (laughs) So having um, a resource or, you know, someone that you can um, um, help you you know, um, in the process, I think is really important. Um, and it's much easier when you're on a campus and you see yourself walking, you know, every day mm-hmm. as opposed to when you're not. Uh, so it, it becomes a, um, I'm going to say support system for lack of a better term, and I'm sure that there is a better term, um, but it becomes a support system for you.
4: I would, I would
0: definitely agree, though, because I'm the and I get the opportunity to watch young men and women who might not have anybody else to connect with, who end up finding commonality with others, and it is a, a real means of support um, that in some of the other specialty programs, but particularly the fraternities and sororities, because it also gives them an opportunity to be involved in service and philanthropy and things like that that they wouldn't just go out and do themselves. And it's almost a continuation of high school from that standpoint because a lot of students do that now. Not always, but a lot of students do that in high school. So it gives them something that they're already accustomed to doing and a group of people, a ready made group of people to do it with.
4: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about some of the programs that the AKAs have the Emeralds of Excellence, um, the Debutante Program
5: okay yes so the emeralds of excellence was our excuse me our 2020 debutante program um and that was a hmm, a breath of fresh air for us because it was in the midst of covid um and we were able to have a virtual program so we were really excited about that um this is our 40th year our 40th debutante program coming up this december 10th 2022 and it is the Reflections of Excellence, uh, Leadership Through Resilience. I think I got that right. <laughs> um, and so we started this program in 1949. Um, our first program was at Klein Hands Music Hall, and I believe it stayed there for many years. And it was a big uh, event in Buffalo um, for the debutante program. So we're hoping for the same thing this year. Um, so we've... Uh, had over seven hundred young ladies go through the program. She's a debutante yes you
4: know, you know what hey, I'm I'm We are going to get to you and we have two we have two mics. We are going to get to you in the second part but <laughs> and, okay. and i do I do want to talk about I do want to talk about that with you um, <laughs> go ahead
5: <laughs> so this year we have uh eleven. Uh, young ladies going through the program. Um, as a matter of fact, they just returned from their college tour. They had an opportunity to visit American University, Georgetown University, and HU, Howard University. Um, and sp- speaking with the young ladies, they had a fabulous weekend. Um, and so we're excited about their coming out. Um, In 1981, our program started doing what we call the rites of passage or the African um, present to society. And so we have two presentations during our debutante program. Um, One is European and the other is African. So we're excited about our debutante program. It is our signature um, program. Like I said, this is our 40th one um, and it will continue and it services the community, we think, because of uh, what it does for leadership and instilling leadership in our young women so yeah that's where we're at
4: awesome I want to shift over to Denise for for a moment yes (laughs) vice president of AKAs can you tell us what do you do within the organization
6: I certainly can (laughs) as vice president I am program chair and just just want you to know that AKA is heavily involved in volunteer and community work through what was called under our past administration, our target programs and are now known as our initiatives. It's often said that programs are the heart of AKA, and that is so true. In the past, our program targets theme was exemplifying excellence and focused on HBCUs, the historically black colleges and universities, promoting academics and awarding scholarships to young people. Uh, We also focus on women's healthcare and wellness, building our economic legacy, the arts, Harlem Renaissance and global impact. And now under the new sorority administration led by our international president, Danette Anthony Reed, we are presently embracing the theme our 2022 through 2026, a.k.a. programs soaring to greater heights of service and sisterhood. Our new initiatives include strengthening our sisterhood, and we're building on love, respect, and shared goals. We're empowering families by addressing childhood hunger, and they're calling that a.k.a. CHIP, C-H-I-P-P, which is our childhood hunger initiative power pack. And we're sending food items home on the weekends within local communities for cho- children who are in need. This program is being spearheaded by internationally known superstar, Miss Patti LaBelle.
4: Okay, Patty. Okay, pa- Patty, 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 Patty. Patty pies. Okay, the Ms. sweet potato Patty. pies at Walmart. You might throw a few of them in there.
6: <laughs> <laughs> and we also have our YLI, which is Youth Leadership Institute, which is a youth-led, highly interactive leadership program designed to empower and engage youth ages eleven to thirteen years old.
4: So the the AKA is really, really. Try to include everyone from the from from the young to the old to the old. Mm-hmm. So everyone yes. has a has a part in
5: absolutely mm-hmm. service to mm-hmm. all mankind. Service to all, all mankind.
4: Okay. That's our mm-hmm. motto. Oh, mm-hmm. oh no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. We're also, I'm on a roll. <laughs> uh,
6: go ahead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're, we're all we've also um taking part in building economic wealth, and listen out for that is going to be a credit union coming up. More information on that. Yeah. Um, Building economic wealth includes supporting women entrepreneurs. They're out here.
4: Yes. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm, Yes, we are.
6: (laughs) Also enhancing the environment, focusing on tree planting and waste reduction and uplifting the local community through programs, services and practices. And we're definitely going to talk about that with Sister Pam advocating for social justice. And I just want to say a yes, sisterhood is our signature and service is our mission. Yes.
4: And that yeah and Is is you done or is you finished?
6: (laughs) Let's see. um, Well, while I I have the mic, I just want to give a shout out (laughs) to NPHC, which is our National Panhellenic Council, uh, to Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity, Omega Psi Phi Fraternity, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity, Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, Sigma Gamma Rho Sorority, and Iota Phi Theta Fraternity.
4: And for those who don't know, those sororities and fraternities that Denise just named are part of the Divine Nine. Yes, the Divine yes. Nine sororities and fraternities. And, and she named them all. <laughs>
6: yes, I did. And we come, we come together to serve social causes, including women's suffrage, civil rights, and, of course, Black Lives Matter.
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask, because uh, we did have, we uh, off, uh, off air in our conversation before, um, I asked about, Line names <laughs> and in Adelie, would
5: no line names in the graduate chapter? So, <laughs> so the only, line, the undergrads. only the undergrad. Yes. only
4: the for those who don't know, uh, line names are, are something that uh, who, who would who would give the name? Would it be the president of that chapter of the sorority or the I think it's the line that comes
5: the in? Line the line that name. comes in, they yeah. come up with their names mm-hmm. and their yeah, their line name, their line name, and their and their name personal name for that line on the line.
4: And yes. that goes with like with stepping and
5: yes. all that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We don't step either. No, I'm a little too <laughs> old stroll. for that. Yes. We we may stroll a little bit.
4: <laughs> well, stroll, <Look>, stepping, <laughs> moving. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I wanted to uh, name some names and, and then you tell me what the significance of these names are. Okay. Uh, Vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, actress, Loretta Devine, Actress Felicia Rashad. Sisters. Those are our sisters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are your fellow Sorars. Yes. Uh, so I wanted to ask, um, when, when the VP, Madame Vice President, became the first woman, mm-hmm. the first African-American, the first South Asian woman to, be, to hold this office, how did, how did that make you feel? Ooh. Oh, my gosh.
5: Just, yes, it was amazing. Breathtaking.
6: Yes, we just put on our chucks and pearls. Oh, uh, Yes, and celebrated yes. the fact that she was a first.
5: Yes, and yes, it felt good. Yes, that right down to the core, it just felt so good. Um, an amazing, you know, uh, opportunity for that visibility at that level. Oh my gosh. Um, mm, I, I mean, words can't even explain yeah. it, and it's the epitome. Of leadership,
6: yes, it's yes. what it is. It's what we do. We strive mm-hmm. and we do. Mm-hmm. And
0: because of the fact that she became a member at the Alpha chapter at Howard, at Howard which University. was another yes. plug, because of the fact that that's where the organization began. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break because okay. then I wanna I wanna switch out and mm. uh, get uh, the the chair. Social chair, Pamela Pamela, Stevens-Jackson in here. Pam is fine. Okay. So we'll be back with more with the AKAs after this short break.
7: Who better to show off the fantastic towns of western New York and southern Ontario than the people who live there? Check out the popular WNET PBS Our Town series now on YouTube. Debuting this week is Our Town Ellicottville, filmed by community members in 2005 It features nightlife, skiing, shopping, quaint places to stay, and so much more. Head to the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel to watch, and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes.
3: WNED-PBS
6: can go everywhere you go with the WNED-PBS app. Go to the app to watch shows like Kleinhans' Gift to Buffalo, Frontline, and Compact Science. Even watch on the go with the WNED PBS live stream and a 24-7 stream of WNED PBS Kids. You can also see the full television schedule and what's on right now from the app. Download the WNED PBS app wherever you get your apps.
1: This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward.
4: And thanks for joining us again. I'm Angela Preston, and we are here with the AKAs from the Gamma Phi Omega chapter here in Buffalo, Adelie. Audley- Adelie Woodruff, Denise Cobbs, and just arriving from her vacation in Europe, Pam <laughs> Stevens Jackson. You know, how are you? Doing well. We we were talking before you arrived. Um, and uh, one of the themes here um, that is with the AKAs and, and sororities and sorars is commitment. And um, your sisters mentioned that you just came back from Europe uh, last night. And you are here this morning, this morning. yes <laughs> <laughs> talk a talk about the commitment and what it and and, and what it takes like because that ride i'm sure the flight was what travel time 20 hours and you're here yeah. this morning
0: <laughs> uh, i left the czech republic midday yesterday and i went through munich to chicago to buffalo I left my son in the midday, and I got back in the house at about 1.15 in the morning.
4: And now you're here at WBFO. Well, Well, that's because
0: I told my president before I left that I would be here. And then I forgot where it was, and I was like... So I sent her a text.
4: Let's talk about what you do within the organization, a uh, social justice chair uh, or Black Lives Matter activism. Talk to our audience about what you do specifically.
0: My responsibility is chair of the committee that arranges or collaborates with other organizations and the sisters within our sorority to provide opportunities for the community, um, empowerment, empowerment voter issues, including registration, awareness, education, even down to things like education about what the time frames are for voter registration, where to do it. Sometimes we will collaborate with another organization and do, for example, a voter registration drive where we will have laptops there so that people can either register online and we'll have the hard copies for those people who aren't comfortable doing that. And that's typically somebody who's older. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Seasoned, yes. 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 Seasoned, yes. (laughs) Who would prefer to actually have the paper fill it out and we can either mail it for them or let them take it and mail it themselves. Either way, encouraging people to not only register to vote, but then as a follow-up to actually go vote because it does no good if you're registered and you don't actually vote. Um, There are misnomer is that the four-year election is the only one that's important, but it's not the case because the midterm elections in between can completely change the composition of the Senate, the House, all the state legislature, all the county legislatures. And it can mean a big difference in terms of what's accomplished, what's not accomplished, what's advocated for. And Sometimes people don't see that. They think about, you know, presidential election, and that's the time to get out and vote. And they don't pay any attention to the other things until things start going wrong. A good example would be the reversal of Roe versus Wade. And nobody saw that coming. Um, but to hopefully prevent things that would not be agreeable for the community at large. And at least, and we don't advocate for particular candidates either. We advocate for voting for registering and then actually follow through and voting, not no political um, campaigning, so to speak. However, if we do have sorority members who end up in office, we like to partner with them to assist them with their mission, to help them accomplish more because it it helps the more people you have involved, reaching more in terms of numbers and accomplishing more.
4: I want to talk about the work that you do at UB. Ah. (laughs) So, Director of uh, Fraternities and Sororities? Yeah, it's it's sort of
0: weird. I'm the Assistant Director of Student Engagement for Fraternities and Sororities, but there is no Director of fraternity and Sororities, but that's me. So I will say director when I'm talking to people elsewhere because they don't understand it. If you say assistant, well, let me speak to the director. Well, there is no director. I am the
4: director. Exactly. (laughs) But the
0: university doesn't permit that, so I'm the assistant director of student engagement. I'm responsible for all of the social fraternal organizations at the university.
4: What are some of the things that uh, students on campus that have pledged uh, sororities and fraternities, what are some of the things that they express to you as to why they want to pledge or, you know, become uh, a member? For a lot of them, it's,
0: for one thing mentioned by our president, uh, a support system. It's an opportunity to have people who are like-minded and maybe similar backgrounds, similar experiences, but it's also an opportunity to give back collectively because it's difficult, you know, like as a random student, especially if you came from someplace else, to just go out and do something. But if you have a group of people that's already doing it, all you have to do is join them. And typically they are because, and I have all, not just the NPHCs, I've got all of the fraternal organizations, um, Sometimes they do it as a system, so it's all of them. Sometimes they do it as individual councils or even individual organizations.
4: What is the significance of of pink and green and also the pearls?
5: Oh, okay.
7: (laughs) Well, pink and green is our Our
0: colors colors. when the organization was founded. It's Mm -hmm. actually salmon pink and apple green apple green green specifically trademarked and licensed. We okay. also, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We're also the only organization that has our call and our pinky trademarked and trademarked.
4: licensed. Yes. Wow. You can go online
0: oh. and you can click the sound bite and there's actually a person from the national the international headquarters that did it. No, I'm not gonna do it.
4: so the 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 pinky um and the in the in the call um i I just want to i want to i want to take it back to when um we had a making black america screening um documentary that aired on WNED PBS uh the past for the past few weeks. Um and it spoke about these black communities, communities that were created in the face of racism, um, segregation, and sororities and fraternities were a part of that discussion. And at the um when when the snippet came on, there was someone in the audience that that was like, ee! or did like ski we yes that was us (laughs) 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 what where where did where did that come from that
0: I have no idea I have no idea I've never even heard you know where it originated but my mother was a golden sore which means she had been in for 50 years and she talked of ski weeing at Bethune-Cookman College because it was college then not university and that was 1954 right. so wow. that that was a long time ago yes
5: well Ooh, you are going to um, make me find out <laughs> i got to
4: find that out now honestly going to go
5: Everybody's google Everybody's going
0: right, go right <laughs> to google right to google what wow.
4: what's next for the for you ladies for the akas
0: i'm not sure if we can say next as in different Different programs, but Mm -hmm. still the same missions and the same general goals. The service to all mankind is pretty much a summary, and it can take all different shapes, colors, forms, sizes, events, activities. Bottom line is service to mankind.
4: And does Mm -hmm. the the AKA do they have have any any uh, programs or anything uh, coming up in the future?
5: Yes, so we have our um, debutante program, December 10th, 2022, uh, at the Buffalo Niagara Convention Center. Um, At 3 p.m., we have our Rites of Passage program, and then our pageant and ball begins at uh, 7 p.m.
4: The Buffalo Convention Center, um, is that open to the public? Where can people get, can they get tickets?
5: Yes, so... Uh, Tickets are on Eventbrite um, for the Pageant and Ball. Um, The Rites of Passage program is open to the public, and it's free.
4: Free. We like that. We like like free.
5: free. (laughs) Well, that's the cultural part, because we would want people
0: to be Mm -hmm. able to, regardless of financial standing, to be able to see, experience, participate in that portion of it. Because it's it's the... I don't want to say more important, but it's the African mm-hmm. portion mm-hmm. as opposed to the European, which is the cotillion sort of activity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just yes. Trying to fi- figure out a word for that. Yes.
4: Does anyone have any? Uh, we're co- we're closing in on our final minutes. Does anyone have any um, final thoughts or anything else that they wanted to? talk about or discuss about the AKAs or your trip from Europe, (laughs) your mad dash to get to the studio this morning. I know,
5: right?
0: (laughs) And I ended up behind a police officer on the 33. Now normal me, I probably shouldn't say this, but normal me I'd be doing 80-85. He was right in front of me and he was going 55 so I stayed right next to him. And I didn't ever look at him but I could see him out of the corner of my eye so eventually he moved over and moved up and I moved over and moved up behind him so as fast as he went, because he can't be clocking me behind him.
4: Yeah. All he can say is I'm parallel,
0: he can't say how fast I'm going.
4: Oh, like Mr. Police Officer get out the way, I, I'm late.
0: That's what I was thinking.
5: Oh, I
4: not do any different. That's Don't hilarious. give me a ticket. I can't give me a ticket. You. <laughs> well, but thank you, ladies. Well, so- thank
5: you for having us. We really appreciate this uh, opportunity to talk about um, the things that we're doing in the community because they are very important, um, and the, the fraternities and sororities are very important to our community. So thank you uh, for giving us this opportunity.
4: Thank you for coming. And yes. the invitation is always uh, extended for you to come back later and talk about um, whatever else you have going on okay. in addition to the programs. So All right. Thanks
7: so much, ladies. Thank you. you, you Angeli. Anjuli.
4: Yes. We'll be back on Buffalo
7: What's Next. PBS Kids fun and educational content is available wherever you are in Western New York, whenever you want. Livestream the channel at WNED.org slash PBS Kids And while you're there, you can play games, watch videos from your favorite shows like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Molly of Denali, and Alma's Way. And you'll find resources for parents and teachers. Visit wned.org slash pbskids today. The popular WNED PBS Our Town series is now on YouTube. Explore our region's towns through the eyes of community members who captured them on video beginning in 2003. Debuting this week is Our Town St. Catharines, featuring the Niagara Escarpment, Happy Rolf's Bird Sanctuary, Montebello Park and much more. Head to the Buffalo Toronto Public Media YouTube channel to watch and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of Our Town.
1: This is Buffalo What's Next, where we have conversations with the community about moving forward. To have your voice heard, press the Talk to Us button on the WBFO app, and we'll work to get your questions and comments on the air. Join us on Twitter at WBFO or email us at news at WBFO.org. Together, we'll have the conversations that are needed. This is WBFO, your NPR station.
2: And I am host Thomas O'Neill White, here to talk diversity and inclusion with Diversity and Inclusion Partner at Tesla, Diversity Equity Inclusion Practitioner, Community Builder, an advocate on the board of the United Way, and on the board of Say Yes, Kendra Brim, also former head of Buffalo Urban League Young Professionals. Just a few (laughs) things. Kendra, thank you for being here today.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited.
2: You're a former student athlete. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about Uh, what you went through as a student-athlete and how that brought you to where you are today?
3: Absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I hear so many great things about um, this segment, and I'm super excited that you all decided to have this because... Um, you know, there are stories out there that we all want to tell um, and needs to be heard. So definitely excited to be here. So my journey as a student athlete started off very young at six years old and then went into um, playing with uh, playing at Narden Academy, uh, which is my alma mater. And then I received 19 full scholarships to play basketball and, into, and ended at Colgate University. Wow. Um, so playing D1 basketball, which was very rewarding. And uh, many people go into playing sports thinking okay the end result is going to be me playing professional basketball but for me um you know i had opportunities but the injuries presented itself so what was next again wait what's next buffalo but what was next (laughs) no no pun intended um and so from there i was able to gain experience um traveling and and had several opportunities that were in front of me. Um, I ended up coaching basketball in Thailand for a little bit, which was really interesting. And I also was able to go to Australia. And I was there for about three or four months um, and understanding the cultures of different people and how people lived, how people interact with uh, with each other, um, and then what is also important to them in order to thrive in their communities. And that was the first time I was able to really just see outside of the United States, you know, how DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, what does it look like in other countries? And so um, that was really my first foundation and introduction into the field.
2: Is there a difference in DEI from country to country or as different countries in comparison to the United States?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, In the United States, we have a heavy focus on race. Um, and I think, again, you know, race we know is a social construct, and so we, we manipulate it and we put it into boxes and make it work for us. And that's, of course, how laws and things like that are made. Um, but in other countries, for example, in Australia... Um, And I specifically was in Perth, Australia at the time, so Western Australia. So it took me 15 hours to get just into Australia and then six hours to get on the other side in Perth. And from there, we have there's a lot of aborigine people in Australia. Um, I was able to live with them, live in the bush and see how they live, which was really interesting. I feel like that's a story for another day. (laughs) Um, But and got to eat amazing food. But over there, race is looked at as as different. And so um, I went over there with a group of people from uh, my alma mater, Colgate University. And in our group, we had white students, black students, Hispanic students. And I remember one of the members of the aborigine tribe over there looked at myself, who's black, um, looked at another one of my classmates, who was black and white, and then looked at another classmate who was Hispanic and said, my black people, Right. It's so great to see my black people. And that was my first introduction to say, OK, well, for them, it's just purely based off of skin color. It's not based off of where you're from and things like that as skin color. And I remember having a conversation with one of my um classmates who was Hispanic and um you know she didn't really necessarily understand she's like i'm not I'm not one of them, right And so just understanding where you fit into in another country is completely different. The fact that I'm African American and she was Aboriginal, but she looks at all of us as one was completely different and so um, you know, it's for them it's going off of experiences and not necessarily what you look like right Mm -hmm. so the marginalized communities over there as we know are Aboriginal people um and so for them it was the experience not necessarily what you looked like
2: in addition to your volunteer work uh, you also have a consulting business and a a podcast yes uh let's talk about the consulting business first on your website you say diversity is something you can clearly see Mm -hmm. but inclusion is intangible you can measure its outcome by seeing a shift in culture what does that mean
3: yeah, great question. Um so Anytime I do um, diversity, equity, inclusion work, so my company is k Savannah Consulting, and we go in and do many workshops, right? And everyone wants to know, what is DEI? And we always talk about this illustration that looks like an iceberg, what you can see above the surface level, um, so that may be skin color, that's body size and type, different things like that. But below the iceberg, you have everything else, those things that you cannot necessarily see. So that can be veteran status, that could be marital status, that could be education, all those different things, right? But now you have the next step of inclusion, which is intangible, but you also have to put an effort into creating that inclusive space, right? And the only way that you can do that is through creating what I like to call psychological safety, and there's a lot of studies behind that as well. Um, But when you're looking at psychological safety, you need to create an environment where people feel emotionally safe, where people can speak up, um, and where people feel like they're part of decision-making processes. And so that is really what we're trying to get at when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it is intangible because it's a space that you have to create.
2: Do you find that in your work that that's a heavy lift for a lot of companies?
3: It is a heavy lift for a lot of companies. Um, A lot of times, you know, companies may say, well, we're diverse, but I don't understand why we have high turnover. Our attrition may be high, right? Um, And it's because we're not looking at diversity, equity, inclusion, as um, one, we're looking at as three independent things. So it is going to take time to get there. But I also say it has to be built out into your strategic plan. It can't be something that you say, well, we'll we'll build this out afterwards. It has to be a part of that foundation. And so a lot of times when I'm speaking to companies, they always say if equity is not your foundation, not a pillar, if it's not your foundation, then the other things cannot come of diversity and inclusion as well. So they all have to be in, in sync with each other.
2: Right now, before the Supreme Court, is a potential landmark case on affirmative action.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, We talk about inclusion and diversity, yet we could be on the cusp of ending race-conscious admissions into colleges and universities. Uh, What do you say to that, given your extensive work in DEI?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so this is a very interesting time, pivotal time in, in the Supreme Court with affirmative action. And, you know, again... We look at, sometimes people say, well, based off of your race, you're getting into places. But no, I will always, this is the way I look at it. If you have a black candidate and a white candidate, right, um, many times that that candidate may automatically be years behind based off of systemic issues, based off of institutional um, you know, barriers that were put into place. So having that affirmative action piece um, being taken away is almost taking away um, you know, the leveling the playing field, as I like to say. Right. Um, so the, le- the playing field has to be level in order for people to really look at um, college based admissions and things like that, because we know historically that marginalized communities are years behind. And so affirmative action, a lot of people may look at it and say, well, this is the sole reason why you're put into this place. No, there's so many other reasons why. But this is the one piece that people are tending to hone in on.
2: How would a school or business ensure diversity while not favoring one racial group over another?
3: Yeah. So I think that's, that's a great question. Um, When we're looking now, especially now, there are so many people who are saying, you know, there's things that are being taken away from me. Right. Um, You know, there's one group that's being put at the forefront. Um, What is, what's in it for me? We hear this conversation all the time, especially since 2020, what's in it for me. But what I argue to say is that, you know, as a society, we all have to be in harmony of one, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're bringing someone up to the same level, a playing level field as you, you're ultimately winning as well, right? We're in a very capitalist society and you know we're all trying to just get a piece of the pie, but if we all come together as one, then we all can benefit. And so that's the way that I look at it. Um, when you're leaving people behind, you're leaving societies behind, you're leaving communities behind Ultimately, you're all being left behind. We saw this when it came to May 14th, right, in Jefferson. And, you know, a lot of people said, well, I can't believe this happened into our communities. And I can't believe someone came into our community. And that is the rhetoric that I kept hearing, our community. We cannot, we can no longer be separate, right? So, again, once one group wins, we all are winning. And so that's how I I look at it when people um, say, you know, how can we ensure diversity? We all have to win.
2: And, but it feels like when people say, "Oh, I can't believe this happened in our community, it was previous you could say on May thirteenth, oh, that's not my community mm-hmm. um so I mean, I get their point that okay, it's our community, but before that it wasn't, and how do you how do we i guess acknowledge that Mhm,
3: mm-hmm. and I think the first step is acknowledging that, right. Um, That is the first step. So you mentioned we have a podcast. So it's uh, Black Jim's Dive In podcast. And um, back in June, I believe we were able to bring in the uh, president of the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. And one thing that Dr. Wigington said to us is that, you know, May 14th was a pivotal time, is a pivotal time in Buffalo's history, right? So, to your point, May 13th, some people say, well, this is not our community. But May 14th, what we did see is that people came into the neighborhoods. How can we help? What can we do? Right? Um, and then a lot of conversations started to happen to say, how can we um, be a sustainable part? of this neighborhood. So when I say that, you know, it's all of our communities, for example, um, even sitting on the board of Say Yes Buffalo, one thing that Dave Russ always says to us is we were intentional of putting our offices on Jefferson, right? Because we know education can be the great equalizer. So if you have a, a organization like Say Yes coming onto Jefferson focusing on education, that also again becomes our community right? So you're building up our community. You have those resources of education. You have those resources when it comes to um, buying goods, a grocery store, all those different things. That's what community looks like. And I will actually say, being a part of just many conversations in the community and being on Jefferson because we do record our podcast at Beverly Gray as well. I do see that there's a lot of organizations and communities coming in and pulling up their sleeves to say, how can we help? Right. You can't just always throw money and resources at it. You have to understand what the community need is. So I, I think a lot of people are starting to say, yes, this is a part of Buffalo. This is something that we can no longer keep ostracized. But how can we bring East buffalo into the fold and make it a western new york community
2: and are are you hopeful with what you've seen so far
3: i am i am hopeful um i am hopeful we know that uh you know History tends to repeat itself. And so we see that a lot of times with tragedy, we see with George Floyd, um, you know, people flood the communities. How can we help? What can we do? But I will say that there are a lot of, um, you know, non-traditional organizations, community advocates who are stepping up, people who are not necessarily um, talking on on podcasts or, you know, in the news, but they're there. They're doing the work. Right. And that is the important part as uh, as well. We always talk about what happens when the cameras go off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that now that the cameras are off, there are people who are doing the work. But those who were just there for a month or even a few days, um, this is my call to action for you all to say, come on back. How can we help build this community together, um, be a part of these organizations and not just necessarily throw money at it? Um, but also to understand the root problem and how systemically you can break down those barriers for that community to thrive.
2: You're listening to Buffalo What's Next. Thomas O'Neill White here talking diversity and inclusion with diversity, equity, inclusion practitioner Kendra Brim. Speaking of your podcast, Black Gems Dive In podcast, Kanye West was one of your (laughs) recent topics. He was, adidas and and kanye have cut ties um the bigger question is and and the one that that people can relate to is how one deals with some blatant racist remarks or jokes by friends coworkers, or families thanksgiving's coming up (laughs) you're you're you you know a lot of a lot of racist uncles are are coming to the table (laughs) um Uh, how do you call these people out and and do we do we cancel them um do you do you go because that person will be there do you not go because that person will be there how how do you how do you manage that
3: that is very loaded so yes (laughs) nitty-gritty right um so yes and black gems dive in podcast we recently with my um co host Aikua Menzaidu who was who was also on this uh radio show as at as well. Um we talked about um cancel culture when it came to particularly to Kanye, right? Um and his comments that he made recently as well. And I would say comments, not just one, but there's mm-hmm. multiple comments that he made Um, But we know there was one that led to Adidas and other companies dropping him as well. And in the work of DEI, we always talk about do we call people out or do we call them in? And what does that mean? So if someone says um, a comment, uh, you know, in a group setting, right? Um, if they said a racist comment as a person who was in that conversation, do you call that person out and just immediately stop that conversation right then and there? Or do you pull that person to a side and say, hey, let's make meaning together. Why did you say this? Do you not understand the terms that you are using or are you just flat out, you know, saying racist comments because you think that they're funny? Um, and, and also, too, is based off of the comfort level of that person. So we always talk about calling in versus calling out. Um, but when it comes to family members and the holidays, we know that people come together. Politics is a hot issue right now. There's midterm elections um, happening, and it's always at the forefront of people's mind. I think previously, you know, it was, you can't talk about religion now. It's like, you can't talk about politics, but we know people do. And so, I would say, you know, go to that Thanksgiving dinner, have the great turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing or dressing, depending on how you say (laughs) it. Uh, It's always an argument in my household of what it's called. (laughs) But, you know, have that family meal, and if someone says something that's completely inappropriate, I would say that is a time to have a conversation with that person because maybe, you know, throughout the year, you're not seeing that person at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, um, convening together. And that is a time for you to to step in and call that person out to say, this is not right. This is inappropriate. But let me understand why you're thinking this way or why you're saying those certain things. Um, have those conversations because, um, you know, we no longer can can, um, you know, just push people to the side. Well, that's just who they are. That's just what they do. There's no excuse for it anymore um, because we know that it's dangerous. And that is and that is where I go with the conversation. Rhetoric is dangerous. Right. And so um, to pacify someone or just say, oh, that's just Uncle Joe or that's just, you know, whoever the case may be or that's, you know, that cousin who always talks like that. We no longer can give that person that pass because their rhetoric can lead to dangerous acts and we're seeing that um right now in our in our world today
2: Mm -hmm. um getting back to Kanye West real quick you got you got Yeezys
3: I do have Yeezys I I got
2: I got I know a lot of people that have Yeezys um what 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 do people do with their Yeezys now? What will you do with yours?
3: You know, so I have one pair of Yeezys. um, And to be honest, I was looking at some Yeezys a couple of weeks ago um, because they're comfortable. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) But I'm also a person that, um, you know, I vote with my money. So if there is a company, if there is a person um, that is selling goods, um, I no longer support that person. Um, you know, I don't listen to their music and it's very hard. Kanye's music was good. I would say, oh, Kanye versus new Kanye. Um, but I, I don't you know, I'm trying not to listen to Kanye's music if it comes on on my pot or my playlist. You know, I turn it off. Um, I am not buying Yeezy's. Um, and actually, you know, a lot of us who love sneakers, we go into the app and we saw that recently that there was a whole bunch of Yeezys trying to be sold very quickly. So like on the Mm -hmm. Adidas app and we knew that was coming. Um, and I know a lot of people decided to, Hey, let me just stock up and buy these. But for me, I said, Nope, I'm not doing it. Right. But that's just me because I don't support, um, a person who can say some of the things that Kanye said. And that's just me personally. But I think also, too, outside of Kanye, right, um, bringing it back to organizations, what if an organization or the person a CEO of that organization had some rhetoric that you did not approve of? Are you supporting that organization? I think that is also a personal conversation and question that you have to ask yourself as well. But for me personally, um, I will not be supporting Kanye, but it's very hard. But I think... You know, there were other comments that led up to that that should have mm-hmm. been evaluated prior to getting to that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel you on that <laughs> one. Yeah, we we kind of glossed over a yes. few things. Yes, yes. Um, let's talk about the upcoming uh, upcoming election for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a midterm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot at stake, uh, yet some people don't see it that way.
3: Mm-hmm. Actually, it was very interesting. I was listening to a podcast this morning um, and they were saying that there's about a 30 percent gap in between um, baby boomers and millennial generation of who really thinks that this midterm election is important. Right. Um, And so you have to ask yourself, why is the older generation feeling like this election is the important election where. You know, millennials or Gen Z, not necessarily um, feel like it's important, and I think you know part of this conversation too is that traditionally you had you have the younger population who you know, only thinks that the presidential election is important. But I always say to people, especially being part of the Urban League, that your vote matters. I don't care if it's a school board election. I don't care if it's just local judges, um, which we know that they're up for election this year as well. But you have to vote in every single election because those are the people who ultimately put the president into place, right? Those are ultimately the people who also will put in Supreme Court judges. We know that presidential election is important, But the president also put Supreme Court judges into their positions for life. Right. So you have to be able to vote in every single election and understand the issues in every single election before you get to another four years and vote for the president. Right. So to your point about midterm elections, it's very important. Um, You know, I walk around sometimes with my my socks and my shirt that says vote, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I always say it doesn't matter, you know, um, necessarily. Not or, I should say you have to vote, not voting is a vote for someone else, right, um, and that's the way that I look at it, um, but midterm elections are really important, and early voting is open. I voted early, um so before you get to Tuesday, if you have the time, definitely go find a poll and and vote.
2: You talk a lot about building community. What does that mean to you and and why is that support so important?
3: Mm-hmm. So I'm from Buffalo. Born and raised in Buffalo, um, and I've seen I've seen different communities turn over. Um, I've seen communities thrive, and I've seen communities um, be left behind. And for me, being a community builder, being an advocate is um, understanding the different levels, right? So you have a group of people who are at the table who are decision makers. You have a group of people who may be boots on the ground, um, you know, marching in the streets. And then you have people who are also um, what I call supporters as well. And I always tell people, pick a lane, right? If you are a member in the community, pick a lane, right? And if you have the privilege to speak up for those um, underserved, marginalized communities, then you have the duty to do so, right? Um, But you have to be able to pick a lane. And so for me, um, again, being that student athlete and I've, being that I went to a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution, um, there were many things that, that happened along the way. And, um, you know, it taught me how to stand up for myself and put me in positions to speak up for others as well. And so after college and no one talks about after college, you kind of like walk around figuring out, you know, what should I be doing in life and what is my purpose in life? And I will say about four years after college, I started to find my purpose and that started with the Buffalo urban league and advocating for communities um, who are marginalized and that's through different empowerment um, avenues. So whether that's financial empowerment, education, empowerment, um, but everyone needs to find their lane and stick to it. I tell the younger generation, which I sound like old, but I'm not. <laughs> but I tell the younger generation, right, When especially when I used to work in a school, um, the kids who turned 18, I said, social media is at your fingertips. You're probably on Twitter or Snapchat talking to me as, you know, we're having this conversation um but i also say that social media is a powerful tool use it in a way that can make communities thrive and be an advocate and so um uh, one of the projects that i used to do when i was a uh, when i used to teach in the schools i would always have the kids do a psa and so a psa that was geared towards advocating towards change so using social media in a powerful tool and that was just a way for them to just get used to um you know another way of serving so everyone has Um, The resources that they need to be advocates. And I would say, just go ahead and do it.
2: Do you ever get tired of talking DEI? Tired of having to explain (laughs) to people how or why equity, diversity and inclusion make us stronger?
3: Um, You know, that's a great question. So there are days, yes, that I do get tired um, because everything that I do is rooted in DEI and advocating for change. And so there are times that we get tired. I speak to my close friends about this all the time, about how do we take mental breaks? Um, You know, how do we step back from it all? And just to say, you know, we need to take care of us. We need to take care of home. Um, and the way that we do that is travel. I love to travel, but that's also a way for me to see different communities and culture as well. Um, you know, I love to go to the movies and I love spending time with friends and family. So that's a way for me to recharge. And then also just finding, um, small moments in the day to just, uh, take a step back and then really think about, um, what is it that I'm really trying to accomplish? Because I think that's a lot of it as well is that we're in DEI, but what are we trying to accomplish? What is that end goal? And I'm constantly reevaluating that because you can easily get caught up in the day-to-day and not think about yourself.
2: And do you, do you worry that these words, diversity, equity, inclusion, will just become corporatized buzzwords? Or have they already?
3: I great question. So I am worried that it will be um, just buzzwords, right? Um, And so we talk about this all the time is what is the next step? You see that Um, sometimes in in some situation, government is trying to control this rhetoric, right? You look at schools of, um, you know, you can't teach this, you can't say this, you can't have these books. So we're starting to see already that government is trying to take take control of DEI and what it actually looks like. So I am afraid that it can become buzzwords um, and that it also gets shuffled into just regular rhetoric to say, this is what we do, but is it really at the core of what you do? Um, and so in terms of advocating for change, I do, um, you know, empower myself and others to continue to speak up. And if people are, you know, going against what you're saying, that's okay, because that's when change is starting to happen, right? Um, so you got to you gotta keep the good faith.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a few minutes left. Um, and I wanted to ask you one last question, um, very broad. But again, I try to ask mm-hmm. all my all my guests from your vantage point. What does Buffalo need?
3: Oh, great question. Um, from my vantage point, what does Buffalo need? I think, um, you know, Buffalo, especially when we we're going back to um, just May 14th, what Buffalo needs is allies and advocates. Right. Um, you know, the resources, yes, they will come. Um, there are going to be people who are constantly advocating for our communities. But what is those resources if you don't have allies and advocates to keep pushing that forth day in and day out? We sit around all the time thinking about, um, you know, when I say we, other DEI practitioners, of who are our allies and advocates in the city of Buffalo specifically. And sometimes, I'm not going to lie, it's hard to, to sometimes think about, who they are, but they are here. And I know they are. Um, there have been a great people who have stepped up um, and continue to have the conversation of DEI. They don't back down. Um, one of the, and just really quickly, quick anecdote. one of the things that someone said to me recently, um, you know, he has said, I will continue to speak up for you because I know there's a lot of times when your voice may be suppressed in the room because of the sense that you are a black woman. Mm. And for me, I felt safe in that moment. Um, And I think that is what our community needs. We need allies. And I also say the next point is we need agitators, not people who say they're just going to do it, but people that are actually in community and doing what they say they're going to do.
2: You're listening to Buffalo. What's next? Thomas O'Neill White talking diversity, equity, inclusion, Yeezys, and more (laughs) with diversity and diversity, equity, inclusion practitioner, Kendra Brim. Kendra, thank you for being with us today. You are listening to WBFO and WBFO HD1 Buffalo, WOLN Olean, and WUBJ Jamestown, your NPR station.